The Truth News Network. Lies, deception, misdirection, and the media are willing accomplices. How do we fight back? With healthy doses of the truth. We're TNN, the Truth News Network. And here to dispense your medication is Dan Newman. Dr. Dan is in the house. Hello, everyone, and welcome to TNN Live. I'm so glad to have you here, and I really mean that. Never take you for granted, folks. That's something that will not happen here. You're first in pretty much every decision we make. Everything we do here, everything we choose not to do, is based upon what's best for you, at least what we know about you. The very fact you're here means that you're wanting to know things, that you want and probably need some facts so you can make some decisions based on facts. What a novel idea. (laughs) We don't do that too much in the U.S. anymore. But before we dig in today, let me just say this to you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Happy Hanukkah. And you know what? When I said both of those phrases, somebody on the other end of this microphone out there, maybe not you, I hope it's not you, but somebody said, that's racist. You can't do that. You can't conflate religion with government. (laughs) You know what, folks? Instead of getting upset when those kind of things happen, let me make a suggestion for you, especially during this season. Just blow it off. I mean, consider your battles and pick your battles. And for those that uh, there's little chance you're going to change anything, just don't get involved. Let them worry about all of their stuff. And you, you're not thinking the way that they're thinking, obviously, or they wouldn't confront you when you say Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and Happy Hanukkah. You're not going to change their minds. Just smile and leave it right there. Boy, wouldn't it be novel? Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could do that in the face of everything like this that happens to us every day? I got to be honest with you. I get slapped around pretty good. I get some really nasty emails and even nasty texts from time to time. People disagree with me. And you know, my position is I'm not going to argue with any of them. I never do. It never works. It's never going to be successful. So why argue? I just blow it off. What I do is, or what I try to do, is make sure that everything we present here is based on facts. What a novel idea. Can you imagine that word or that phrase I just said being said by the leaders at CNN and MSNBC, ABC, CBS, and NBC uh, news departments. (laughs) They publish on air and in writing lots of things that they know when they publish them. They're not factual. Journalism, the whole entire world, has just turned upside down, and it's been turned upside down by these sycophants, these political sycophants that are picking and choosing things to report, things not to report, not based upon the importance of the truth of those things, but based solely on the way the political perception is going to be perceived by the listening and reading audience if and when they 
publish these things. It's kind of ironic that these are the people that call themselves journalists. Journalism is not that, folks. Journalism is reporting, not producing, not injecting yourself into something, some happening, some bit of news, and reporting from your perspective. Journalism is not supposed to include perspectives. Journalism is supposed to be about just reporting things that happen. It would be a wonderful world if they would just do that and nothing more. I get tired sometimes. We do a lot of research here. My wife, she gripes about it quite a bit. I've got my nose in all kinds of news outlets, information, digging here, reading this, listening to that to make sure we're on top of everything because we want you to get all the facts. Nothing's worse than something popping up in your life that is unexpected and you got to make a choice or a decision and you didn't even prepare for it because you didn't know about it. We continually give you those options. If you don't know about something, it's because you don't come here. Now, I'm not saying we know about and talk about everything, but what we do here is we talk about just about everything that is in the public purview for all of us, all the time. If they're important, we're going to talk about them. So where do we get started today? Well, that, my friends, is a good question. There's so much to discuss and talk about. We're going to try to get to all of it today, but let's start right here. Well, not right here in North Louisiana where our studios are. Why don't we go down to the southern border? Why don't we do that? What's going on at the southern border? Well, you don't hear much about it on mainstream news. Obviously, they kind of like the way it's going, building that Democrat Party majority. That If they are successful, they'll get them here, keep them here, give them the right to vote and perpetually maintain a in-charge majority across the board for the Democrat Party. Well, some news came out. President Biden has slashed the deportation of illegal migrants from 25 cities, big cities, by roughly 90%. So helping business groups with a flood of desperate low-wage workers. Folks, this is really nasty. The president's business giveaway was exposed by the Center for Immigration Studies, called CIS. It also showed that Biden's deputies have reduced by two-thirds the deportation of criminal migrants who threaten Americans and the nation's growing population of these illegals. Only 18,713 illegals were formally removed, which means deported, from 25 interior cities such as Atlanta, Baltimore, Miami, from January to July this year. According to the data from the ICE agency, the 2021 removal number includes only 6,000 migrants convicted of serious crimes like MS-13 Aliens. In 2019, comparison here under Trump, almost 200,000 migrants were removed from the 25 cities, the same ones including 17,500 migrants convicted 
of serious crimes. In the midst of the Trump enforcement, employers were forced to raise wages, especially for lower-income Americans. In 2020, despite the COVID crash, Trump's deputies removed 93,000 migrants from those cities, including 13,000 convicted of serious crimes. In 2021, the 25-cities deportation rate has dropped to roughly 3,000 per month since the Senate's confirmation of Alejandro Mayorkas, Biden's appointee to run the Department of Homeland Security. Calendar year, this year, 2021, Mayorkas is on track to deport just 40,000 migrants from those 25 cities. His annual deportations amount to one of every 275 illegals that are living here. One out of 275. Before COVID, back in 2019, Trump's deputies removed more than a quarter of a million illegals nationwide, including many who committed violent crimes while they were here. Mayorkas's likely number of 40,000 in all of 2021 to be de- deported from the 25 cities is less than just one month of arriving gotaways, which are illegal migrants who are detected yet successfully they get by the Border Patrol. So far, almost half a million job-seeking migrants have sneaked in under Mayorkas's lax rules. And by the way, this ICE data, the Biden ICE data, does not include migrants who were turned back from the border, sometimes deported to their homelands. Mayorkas is a Cuban immigrant and a pro-migration zealot. That explains a lot, right? In a November Senate hearing, as an example, Senator Tom Cotton from Arkansas asked him, what should be a higher priority of the U.S.? Securing our border or giving amnesty to illegal aliens who are already here? Mayorkas' response was, justice is our priority. That includes securing our border and providing relief to those migrants who qualify under our laws. No Democrats voted against Mayorkas' confirmation in February. His confirmation was also backed by a couple of GOP senators, Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, Mitt Romney of Utah, Dan Sullivan of Arkansas, excuse me, Dan Sullivan of uh, Alaska, Shelley Moore from West Virginia, Susan Collins from Maine, and retiring Senator Rob Portman of Ohio. I, I, I just don't get it. I do not get it. And the saddest part is not so much that it's happening, but that we know it's happening. It's thrown in our faces every day. We get the numbers. We hear it. And we also hear the reports when we can get our hands around them about the illegality, the criminal actions, that many of these illegals that are coming in on Biden and Mayorkas' watch are bringing their criminal activities, their criminal hearts, and their criminal past with them. We're not checking them at the southern border. Obviously, we're not, at least not like was done under the former administration. Isn't it interesting that around the nation, even from these 25 cities that we're talking about, 
the news organizations there. They suppress the news when it's egregious information passed along about the activities of any of these these migrants. It's only when somebody gets shot or killed, somebody gets raped, and it leaks out to a real news organization that will report on it. Do we hear about it? And isn't it a shame that when we're talking about important things happening in our nation, isn't it strange that the only time we hear about it is when something leaks out instead of being able to just turn a radio on, turn your television on, grab a newspaper, read and listen and watch to real information about everything. Not just those things that align with one political perspective or another. I'm telling you, I don't want to get everything from a, a, a conservative or a Republican slant. I don't want to get everything from the other side. I want to get facts. And if you don't have the facts and you're going to report something, just give us what you know and come clean. Tell us. We're still in the process of vetting this to make sure it's true. It's an important thing that's out there. You're going to hear about it somewhere. So we wanted to make sure that you knew from us. What a novel idea, right? So just imagine with what's in the the hopper for consideration right now as part of that build back better deal regarding illegal immigration. It's the amnesty part. They don't talk much about it because Americans don't want it. Did you hear that? Americans don't want it. A huge majority of Americans don't want to give amnesty to illegal aliens that come here. Late last month, the House Democrats passed a filibuster-proof Build Back Better reconciliation package. And it includes an amnesty for nearly 7 million illegal aliens. 7 million. Effectively, millions of illegal aliens would be able to secure parole. That's what they call it in immigration law in the United States when you get some kind of uh, unofficial but official um, a little gap in time to get into the meat of your becoming legally here. They call it parole. Effectively, with these millions of illegals able to secure parole through the legislation if it passes in the Senate and thus be shielded from deportation while getting work permits to compete against who? Working class Americans for jobs. A lot of those Americans are legal immigrants. A new analysis by CIS, the city, excuse me, the Center for Immigration Studies, says that over a 20-year period, the amnesty is going to cost us taxpayers a half a billion dollars based on figures from the CBO. CIS Director of Research Stephen Camerata writes that much of the cost is from the amnesties opening a number of federal welfare programs to illegals. You know the big reason why a parole amnesty would result in these new large dollars and cents for taxpayers to play? Amnesty recipients would be able to get affordable care act subsidies, Medicaid, earned income and child tax credits, Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, called SNAP, 
get Social Security and Medicare to a much greater extent than they would without legal status. Now, what does that mean? Folks, um, the last two are the ones that blow my mind. Social Security and Medicare. Why, Dan? Do you know how Social Security and Medicare are funded? Both. If you're a worker in the United States and your employer is legal and does their payroll legally, there's a deduction for Social Security and Medicare that comes out of every paycheck that you get, period. And that number, that withholding, half of it is yours, and then the employer matches that half, and it goes into the government, and it goes into, supposedly, into your account. And then when you get ready to retire, they have record of how much, like, for instance, in Social Security funds have been withheld from your check. And then they add in what the employer held in. Through a number of years, it accumulates, and it gets pretty big. So when you retire, after you, I, I'll just give you an example. I've been in the workforce for 50, 55 years. I paid a lot into Social Security. I paid a lot into Medicare. So I didn't feel guilty when it was time for me to apply for Medicare and get enrolled in it and Social Security at the same time. Is it something I can live off of? Heck no, it's not. But it's kind of nice that I have something from money that I paid into for 53 years coming back to me. These illegals, folks, they're talking about if this bill passes and is signed into law, they're talking about every one of these guys and girls, these women, boys, men, women, to not only be able to take care of things like uh, Medicaid, the earned income and child tax credits, SNAP program, Affordable Care Act subsidies, not only that, but if they are age 65 as an example, they can immediately begin to draw Social Security and use Medicare, though they hadn't paid a dime into it. And while they're considering this, They're standing up in the Senate, before the Senate and the House of Representatives, they being uh, our representatives in the House and our senators across the hallway, and they're warning us that financially Social Security and Medicare are in trouble, but they're wanting to add millions more at one time. Who's going to end up paying that? Well, all of us that, from all of our adult working life, we've paid into it, supposedly for us, for our retirement, they're either going to cut what you put in and are getting now or they're going to raise prices on everybody, taxes in some way, raise the Social Security and Medicare employment taxes. The government has nothing to pay into this, folks, unless they take it from us. This bill cannot be passed It cannot be passed. You need to reach out to your state, your U.S. senator in your state, one of the two that are there, and let them know this is not fair, it's not right, and warn them if they pass it, they will pay a political price for doing so. Now, there's another secret that has slipped out of this uh, immigration stuff going down at the southern border. And let me tell you, it's kind of ironic how it slipped out. I don't, I haven't seen any 
U.S. news source cover this and bring it to our attention. I found it in a European news source. U.S. immigration judges, you know those ones down at the southern border? They're the ones that hear those amnesty um, claims uh, that these immigrants come in. Well, these judges down there are having a fight. They're in a tense dispute with Joe Biden. So what are they fighting with the president about? They're battling to restore union rights taken away from them under the Trump administration. Union rights. I I just don't understand why a group of judges, any judges, would need to be represented by union. That just blows my mind. You get appointed. (laughs) Every judge is appointed down there. Every federal judge is appointed. The head of the Federal Immigration Judges Union came out yesterday and accused the Biden administration of doubling down on Trump's efforts to freeze out their union, even as they struggle with a backlog of almost one and a half million court cases and staff shortages, which exacerbate due process concerns in their courts. Now, I don't understand. What the heck does a union have with that? Nothing that any union can do about backlog of cases at our southern border. (laughs) They can hire more judges. They can't. The unions can't. But our federal government can. But they're not up there pushing for that. They want to give power to their fellow union members. That's what it's all about. Mimi Snockhoff president of the National Association of Immigration Judges, declared herself mystified that Biden's DOJ would not negotiate with her members despite the U.S. president vocally and frequently touting his support for workers' representation. This administration has really doubled down on maintaining the Trump position that we are not a valid union. Sankov was appointed as an immigration judge back in 06 and is based in New York, where she also teaches at Fordham University School of Law. After what she described as decades of relatively smooth relations between her union and the Department of Justice, President Trump capped four years of right-wing immigration policy, she said, by successfully petitioning to strip hundreds of immigration judges of their right to unionize. This move in the Trump administration was decided by the Federal Labor Relations Board. Despite a Democrat victory and Joe Biden taking the White House, pledging to undo damage done by Trump, the union today remains shut out in silence without a date or set to hear its case, attempting to restore its official status in the big scheme of everything immigration related. Can you believe this is coming up and it's a big deal? It's more about me, 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 me than about our nation. We once had a Democrat president that was into it the opposite way. You remember that? Ask not what your country can do for you. Instead, ask what you can do for your country. In other words, country first. 
country first. I, I, it, it, I cannot even fathom why a judge at any level in the federal government would need the services of a union. There is no reason at that level because you're part of the Department of Justice. I mean, it's the most powerful branch or part of the executive branch of our government outside of the the White House and who lives there. And they're crying over that instead of handling their business down at the southern border. Wow. There's some big news out about the January 6th stuff. You know, the protest, demonstration, insurrection, whatever you want to call it, on January 6th at the Capitol. Big news coming out of that. You know what it is? You got it right after this. He sits in judgment. He stands for the law. Kind of looks like a hero and sounds like your paw. What He smiles and he laughs, his voice tinged with gravel, but the bad guys gasp when he bangs his big gavel. Wapner! Judge Wapner! Judge Wapner! When neighbors brawl, when lovers refute, when suppliers and buyers and liars dispute, Wapner won't let those law books get dusty, got a buddy named Doug and a sidekick named Rusty. Rusty! With Wapner! Judge Wapner! Doesn't do it from towers, doesn't do it from steeples. He does it in court, a court called People's. Wapner. People's Court. Judge Wapner. Call him your honor. Judge Wapner. Judge Wapner rules on the People's Court. Song over. Song over. New home ownership can be a real eye-opener, but it's the perfect time to look into Homeowner 101 from The Home Depot. Free live streaming workshops taught by expert associates now at homedepot.com slash workshops. You'll find indoor and outdoor workshops, even home systems workshops. Plus, you'll get the know-how you need to care for your biggest investment. Master the basics at Homeowner 101, only at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Register now at homedepot.com slash workshops. So it's this beautiful summer day, and while most guys would say, let's go to the beach, Donnie says, Hey, let's go to Pilgrim Furniture in Mattress City. They're having a warehouse sale. I say, are you serious? He says, Your place needs furniture, and at this sale, you can get beautiful stuff and save 50, 60, even 80%. So we go to the Pilgrim Warehouse sale. I buy a sofa, a love seat, and this really cute dinette set. But the big thing is, we pick it out together, Donnie and me. Maybe this relationship is going somewhere. The Warehouse Sale at Pilgrim Furniture in Mattress City. Did you see that movie, Shaft? It was a good movie. Kind of um, one of those you can get away for a little while and not really think about anything seriously. Good music, good song. Hey, about that January 6th thing. Attorney Joseph McBride last night joined Tucker Carlson of Fox News to discuss the ongoing situation of the January 6th protesters by the Biden DOJ. This attorney, Joseph McBride, is representing several of the prisoners. Yep, people that are still in jail from what happened, allegedly happened, uh, on their part, January 6th of this year. 
He went on to talk about the video footage he saw from inside the U.S. Capitol tunnel on the afternoon of January 6th. McBride is also looking for several federal operatives who were observed that day. Did you know that? There were a bunch of feds, undercover feds, that were right in the middle of that whole thing from the very beginning. McBride accused an agent that was tagged red-faced 45 with entrapping Trump supporters that day. Listen to this. Here's what he said. Let me just call one of these people out. Someone who was tagged on the internet by sedition hunters as red-faced 45. This is someone who is dressed in Trump gear, in MAGA gear. He's covered in gear from head to toe. His face is painted MAGA red. He has a Trump hat on a Make America Great Again hat. Yet he is clearly a law enforcement officer. In the videos, he interacts with multiple uniformed personnel. He interacts with agents that are in the crowd. He passes out weapons, sledgehammers, poles, and mace. Some of those things come in contact with some of the other protesters who have subsequently been charged with possessing dangerous weapons and are using dangerous weapons at the Capitol. That is clearly entrapment. That is clearly the government creating conditions of dangerousness and entrapping members of the crowd to even possess weapons and possibly use them for reasons that we cannot comprehend. Have you wondered why you're hearing so little coming out of that committee? You know, Pelosi's select group that are investigating, prosecuting, if they can't, but if they could, they would. Anybody that is of the Trump ilk that was even seen at the Capitol that day. I have several personal friends that were there. We've had a couple of them on the air here talking about this. We even played for you a scene of some Capitol Hill police officers telling a crowd that was standing right out below the steps of the Capitol shows them removing these two Capitol Hill police officers, removing the barriers on the sidewalk and waving these protesters in, inviting them to go up the steps to the Capitol. I'm just, I'm not sure we're ever going to get all the facts about what happened on January 6th. And of course, they're going after everybody they can. That committee is going after everybody that they think has any affiliation with Donald Trump because they're all determined to find a way to pin and the responsibility all on former President Donald Trump. Former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, he was subpoenaed by the committee. But it was announced yesterday he's no longer going to be cooperating with that committee. Meadows and his attorney, George Terwilliger, plan to officially notify the committee this morning, probably already have, after Meadows could not come to terms with lawmakers on an arrangement to work with them. His lawyer said, we've made efforts over many weeks to reach an accommodation with this committee. Terwilliger said Meadows was looking to appear voluntarily before the committee and answer questions that Meadows believes were not protected by executive privilege. He set to appear on the Hannity 
Sean Hannity show tonight. Over the weekend, the committee demonstrated they indeed planned to look into privileged subject matters. Terwilliger pointed to how the company has issued at least one subpoena to third parties for Meadows' cell phone records, which Meadows intended to turn over voluntarily after screening them for privileged material. Terwilliger also cited a recent comment from committee chair Rep. Benny Thompson, a Democrat of Mississippi, that um, caused Meadows to do a double take. The chairman of the committee publicly said another witness's claiming of the Fifth Amendment would be tantamount to an admission of guilt. This called into question exactly what's going on on this committee. Meadows wouldn't be the first to refuse compliance with the committee. Former Trump advisor Steve Bannon, he failed to appear, was indicted for contempt of Congress following a referral from the House. When asked how Meadows might respond to similar treatment, Meadows' lawyer said he and Meadows will cross that bridge when he comes to it, but he noted that Mark Meadows has made every effort to try and work with this committee while maintaining the position on privilege that he's got to maintain. He worked in the White House. The committee had not tried to meet him halfway. Federal prosecutors have not convicted anyone for contempt of Congress since the Watergate era, have not even tried to prosecute such a case since the 80s. Terry Williger noted that in a recent case, Supreme Court Chief Justice John Roberts said that these matters are typically resolved through reaching some sort of accommodation. The um, X factor in this is the committee's wholesale waiver of any notion of executive privilege. He said this position sets a dangerous precedent whereby any president of a different party could expose a past president's communications with senior staff members. When he was asked why he thinks the DOJ is now taking a more aggressive approach to contempt of Congress, Terwilliger would not, he wouldn't even guess at what it is, stating that he can't see into the minds of the people in the Justice Department. By the way, in addition, Steve Bannon, the committee has also approved contempt charges against Trump Justice Department official Jeffrey Clark. Prosecutors have not moved to indict Clark at this time, as he's rescheduled an appearance before the committee after a claim that he missed a prior date due to medical reasons. I'm going to go back to um, the terminology that swept the nation um, during the Russia collusion investigation by Robert Mueller and his fleet of Democrat hard-left attorneys that were out to get this president and didn't even hesitate to use dozens of of manufactured lies. By the way, some of them they manufactured. Mueller's folks manufactured to try to run Donald Trump out of office. It's all related, folks. It's all related. Now, let me tell you the biggest tra- travesty about this uh, charging somebody with contempt of Congress. You remember Eric Holder? I won't spend much time on this. Eric Holder was... Barack Obama's first attorney general. He was very political. He got busted for something that he did down at the southern border. 
He put together the Department of Justice that he headed, put together this thing. It was called Fast and Furious. And what they did, came up with a great, great thought. Somebody somewhere did said, hey, why don't we take a bunch of uh, M4s and other types of heavyweight armor, guns, and let's put them in the hands of Mexicans and trace those guns And the reason we want to do it is because we want to find out who's giving weapons out of the U.S. to these drug cartel members and these human trafficking cartel members. And this way we can track them. We can follow the daisy chain. Well, needless to say, they couldn't track anything. But they found one of their guns. It was used to kill a Customs Border Patrol agent. And when it all came to light, when Fast and Furious came to light and Congress got in the middle of it, they asked Eric Holder to come testify. I mean, after all, a federal employee was shot and killed with one of the guns that Holder actually put in the hands of the killers. Holder refused to come. They subpoenaed him. He refused to come. They subpoenaed the records in the Department of Justice, all of them, for the Fast and Furious process. Holder refused to allow it to come to Congress. No excuse, just didn't comply. So that committee in the House, what did they do? They referred it for criminal prosecution in a Washington, D.C. federal court. The Obama-appointed judge refused to even take up or allow the case to move forward. Put that in the context of what's happening down at our southern border. (laughs) Oh my gosh, and what's happening on the January 6th committee? It's a witch hunt. Every bit of it is a witch hunt. I promise you, there's no other plausible explanation for it. I wonder if they're going to be successful in any way. They're trying to scare the bejesus out of everybody. Everybody. And this thing coming out of this Department of Justice, this this thing is not one thing. It's not a dozen things. It's hundreds of things. And you know who is on their bullseye, on their target? Almost totally that picture is of an American citizen somewhere doing something that they disagree with politically. I'm serious, folks. I'm serious. It's, it's, it's uncanny how politicized this Department of Justice is. And it shouldn't surprise us. Look what happened in the previous Department of Justice, the one under President Trump. Remember that? They were the instigators, the worker bees, the managers, the coordinators of everything to do with the fake Russia collusion story. They were doing everything they could do. In fact, James Comey lied before Congress. He personally violated federal laws regarding confidential information, classified information. Nothing happened to him. There was no accountability. We find out there were a bunch of artificial things planted in the Mueller investigation. Some of it by Mueller's attorneys. Nothing happens to them. So here we are post-2020 election trying to get our arms around what is necessary to make sure, make every American comfortable that all of our elections going forward are safe and legal from top to bottom, every part of them. We're in the middle of all of that. And so the state of Texas 
as does every one of the 50 states every 10 years, reapportionment. When the census comes out that's done every 10 years, one time every 10 years, states have to take the findings of the distribution of people within their states, within the federal voting districts, the populations within them, and reapportion the district lines themselves. So what's happened through the years is both political parties try to make it reapportionment lean their way. In other words, a district that maybe before was full most of full mostly of Democrats and the Republicans win or they want to win, they'll find ways to try to move the lines for that district to include more Republicans and vice versa. Gerrymandering is what it's called. And you hear the politicians scream and holler about gerrymandering all the time. They're trying to just not let us, the voters, know any of the details. But if you hear the G word coming out of anybody in Congress, that means the other side is doing something evil. Well, yesterday, Attorney General... Apologize for that, had a glitch. Merrick Garland yesterday, our Attorney General. You may remember the state of Texas reapportioned as legally they're supposed to do after uh, the census came out. They reapportioned their districts. And typically what happens, especially in a big state, some primarily Democrat areas, they may change. They may go the other way and vice versa. It just happens folks. It just happens. So Texas passed a law confirming those district changes. Merrick Garland came out yesterday and announced the Department of Justice is investigating Texas saying that their plan, well, I'll I'll let you listen to what they say. Here's Merrick Garland himself. The complaint we filed today alleges that Texas has violated Section 2 by creating redistricting plans that deny or abridge the rights of Latino and black voters to vote on account of their race, color, or membership in a language minority group. Can you believe they're doing that? Folks, the law says, Section 2 of that voting law, it says, it demands a federal law that every 10 years, that's exactly what's supposed to happen. An examination is done to make sure that every voting district line is fair and is established based on population, not based on political population, but on population. And I got to be honest with you. He just made a claim that Their reapportionment, I know nothing about what they did. I don't know where the district lines are. But how could he claim that this reapportionment law that Texas passed stops people from being able to vote? And not just people, but people of color. Everything's about race. If you don't have anything factual to gripe about, about your opponents or those on the other side politically... Just use the R word every time. And immediately, that's a dog whistle to people that are in the Democrat Party. All you got to do to beat up your opponents 
is use the R word. Ah, racist. They're racist. That's racist. He's racist. She's racist. Presenting facts about those allegations, or in that case, you don't have to have them. They're not necessary just because you said it. Just because you say something, you hear that here all the time. Garland didn't give any basis, any foundation. Now, what's going to happen? It's going to go, they're, they're suing. It's going to go to court. And where does it go to court? It goes to federal court somewhere. It won't happen in Texas. And so what Attorney General Garland will do, he'll find a way to move that case into the courtroom of a Obama or Biden-appointed judge. To be heard. Our political system and its decisions within it, they've all turned to 100% being driven by politics and not the law. Folks, this administration doesn't give a rip about U.S. federal laws. And if you're listening and you're a Democrat, if you're a Biden fan or supporter, you probably spit at your computer. Maybe you spit at me. I don't know. Maybe you're going to send me another hate email. Listen, facts are facts. Based upon what you do, based upon what I do, not what we say, but what we do, who we really are is exposed. How do you justify opening the borders and letting millions of illegals come into the country in the first place. Forget about the extensive circumstances that surround that and all of the excuses to try to justify it. That's illegal. That's criminality that is being pushed, promoted, and allowed by the President of the United States. Just imagine if the political sides were changed and Trump was still president. And let's just say um, Trump was a Democrat and the Republicans were doing something like this. Of course, Democrats, they want no borders. They want everybody to be able to come in. But just suppose they felt the same way Republicans would do. They would crucify Donald Trump. The rule of law, if you read our story yesterday, is under fire, and it may not succeed. It may be obliterated and blown away. If you look at the violence and the criminality that spread across the nation and how this administration and Democrats at local and state levels primarily have just refused to prosecute and hold those accountable, BLM and Antifa, for their violence, burning, pillaging, looting, hurting people, actually killing people. You hardly see any prosecution there, but yet we know today in Washington, D.C., in jail, that have been in jail for months in solitary confinement, or a bunch of people that, on the most part, the maximum thing they will ever plead guilty to or be charged with is misdemeanor, assembly, no felonies, and yet they're under the jails right now. The rule of law 
is just that, the rule of law. We either believe in it and support it or not. Real truth, real news, TNN, the Truth News Network. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Cars today are computers on wheels. That's it. Uh, the fancy new tech makes our life easier in the car. But when something breaks, can you afford to fix the touchscreen display or the sensor, which can cost thousands of dollars? Most likely, no. That's why I have CarShield. And it takes away the worry and the panic of the expensive repair that you know is coming. CarShield, their protection plans can save you thousands for covered repairs, including everything from an engine, transmission, GPS, electronics, and more. You can have your favorite mechanic or dealership do the work, and CarShield takes care of the rest. They also offer complimentary roadside assistance and a rental car. It's inevitable something's going to break. It happens to everybody, including me. So get coverage from America's number one auto protection company like I did and find out why CarShield cars go farther. Rates are as low as $99 a month, so visit CarShield.com. Use the promo code IHEART to save 10%. That's CarShield.com, promo code IHEART. Deductible may apply. New Dunkin' Refreshers. Vibrant fruit flavors like strawberry, dragon fruit, and peach passion fruit. B vitamins and energy from green tea. All under 200 calories. Order ahead via the Dunkin' app for a contactless way to order, pay, and pick up in the drive-thru. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. When the lie becomes the norm, speaking the truth becomes a revolutionary act. Dan Newman. TNN. The Truth News Network. Why is that? Why is telling the truth and reporting the truth and looking for and finding the, pl- the proof and talking about it with anyone, why is that a bad thing now? It really is, folks, on many corners. Many segments of this society, the truth no longer is what people seek. And just think about the repercussions of that. Decisions are being made based upon lies being based upon things that people may want instead of the facts of any issue. Let me give you a little information that will scare the poop out of you. Republicans, the view that most Republicans have regarding socialism, it's only grown. The party has more wary over the years. 65% of Democrats, though, have a positive view of socialism. 60%, 65% of Democrats think positively about socialism. Now, in comparison, that's up from 53% in 2010 and 2012 to over 60% in the past two polls that were taken. Only 14% of Republicans have a more positive view of socialism. The majority of Republicans prefer capitalism. According to the poll, 72% of Republicans, 52% of Democrats have a positive image of capitalism. Americans have overall remained relatively steady over the years in holding negative views of socialism, coming in at 38% positive, 59% negative. Americans' opinions of capitalism 
have also been stable over the past decade. About 6 in 10 have a positive view of capitalism. Slightly fewer than 4 in 10 have a positive view of socialism. Democrats view both economic systems favorably, but they become more positive towards socialism than capitalism. Gallup is who did this. And this poll from Gallup found that Americans, particularly Democrats, are more likely to conflate socialism with equality and government provision of benefits and services. The fact that they do that, that should speak volumes to you about what is really going on. People like handouts. People like giveaways. People like to pass along the responsibilities that are maybe uncomfortable or hard to fulfill to Big Brother and let Big Brother make the hard decisions and pay the bills. When Gallup polled Americans on the meaning of socialism way back in 1949, just after WW2, the largest proportion described in the traditional sense as government ownership of the means of economic production. Thus, the meaning of the term to Americans is evolving over time, but most still view it negatively. Another poll, this one from Fox News, comparing attitudes towards socialism and capitalism, found very similar findings. This poll was conducted from August 7th through 10th. 59% of registered Democrats have a positive view of socialism compared to 49% who felt the same way about capitalism. And let me tell you the, the dirty about this. I guarantee you a huge majority of those that express their favoritism for socialism don't have a clue what socialism is. Are not taught, hey y'all, look across the ocean. Look at all of Europe. Look at most of Asia. Look at what is happening over there, all these socialist countries. Prices are through the roof. People don't make good money. Not compared to the opportunities and the money that people can make and do make here in the United States that's based upon not what the government says, which is what happens in socialism. Pricing, benefits, payroll, Everything is controlled in socialism by the government. They won't tell you that. They'll come up with a way to make it look like it's a combination of capitalism and socialism. Folks, socialism gives unilateral power to somebody other than the people, period. That's the difference between capitalism and socialism. In capitalism, everybody is guaranteed the right to pursue their dreams, whatever they may be financially especially. But our Constitution doesn't guarantee that everybody gets the same results. A lot of people today, led by the gang, AOC and her minions in the House of Representatives, they believe that the government should pay for everything and give everybody 100%, not equality, They don't like that word. Equality is something that can't be manipulated. So they replaced it in their public discourse with another word, equity. In equity situations, folks, somebody controls who gets what. That's called socialism. 
There are so many things, little things that are happening that are real uncomfortable. You know, people don't like to talk about things that are controversial, things that are happening in the world that are a little nasty. Have you kept up with this Jussie Smollett thing going on up in Chicago? You remember that a couple of years ago? He was the guy, um, he had some notoriety in television and movies. He's an African-American guy. He's a gay African-American guy. I'm just pointing that out to let you know where his perspective obviously comes from. And principally because he's black, a lot of people, and he's famous or semi-famous, a lot of people went crazy when he reported that he had been accosted and had a noose put around his neck by two MAGA supporters. MAGA fans went to the cops. The cops arrested the two perpetrators, two African-American guys. It came to light through the testimony of those two at the very beginning, and they have maintained their story all the way through, and then subsequent investigation found out that Smullett had paid them. And the idiot used a check. And on the check, he wrote what the check was for. (laughs) So he got busted because of his mistakes. The real reason he did this was besides obviously wanting to turn nothing into a racial situation and do that for his benefit because he's trying to get greater notoriety, get more people to notice him, make him more visible publicly so that that will enhance his career. So this trial is going on. Yesterday, Smollett testified on his own behalf. Candace Owens, also African-American, she went on television with Tucker Carlson last night. Listen to her analysis of this whole thing. So cameras were not allowed in the courtroom today, or obviously we'd have a lot of amazing footage for you, but we do have some idea of what Jussie Smollett was saying because he hasn't really changed what he has been saying for the past three years. So back in 2019, he argued that only a racist wouldn't take his story at face value. If I had said it was a Muslim or a Mexican or someone black, I feel like the doubters would have supported me a lot much more, a lot more. And that says a lot about the place that we are in our country right now. The fact that we have these fear mongrels, these people that are trying to separate us and it's just not okay. Mm -hmm. Did you get that? Instantly, subjectively, he draws the political perspective that will sell in his case he's black. So these MAGA people, Oh, they hate African-American. They hate Hispanics. They hate everybody that's not white. And he's trying to make a case to make himself look better. Fear mongrels. (laughs) They were a problem then, they're a problem now. Candace Owens is the host of Candace. She's been following all this for a couple years now. She joins us with her reaction. Candace, it is great to see you tonight. What do you make of this? Oh, wow. I mean, honestly, I make that his um, his defense should have actually said 
pled insanity and I would have bought it. Like when you listen to the story and you yeah, really follow every exactly. element of this, like Jesse Smollett is not a sane person. And what people are forgetting is that he's asking you to believe, you know, there's this thing called Occam's razor, right? Usually the simplest explanation is the best explanation. He is asking you to believe just an incredible set of circumstances took place here. He wants you to believe how many black people do you think go through two hate crimes in one week that somebody sent him a letter to onset like the Zodiac killer, right? Cutting out every single letter. And it was from, you know, it was signed MAGA, right? Because this was all about Donald Trump. It was signed MAGA. The police say, actually, this came from Jesse, right? And then just five days later, Jesse Smollett goes to get a Subway sandwich and some eggs at Walgreens at 1 a.m. in the morning on a frigid night. And what do you know? Some MAGA supporters jump out. He doesn't recognize the voice of his lover, right? The person that he has a sexual relationship with, right? He wants you to believe all of these circumstances. His lover's lying on him. Uh, he didn't, he couldn't see at night that these were actually two tall Nigerian black men. Uh, the police department has it against him. The person that was in the ride-along um, is lying about what happened. He never said they were wearing a MAGA hat. The police chief is lying on him. I mean, you have to be an absolute fool to believe anything else than what is plainly in front of us. Jesse Smollett lied. It is actually the greatest racial hoax that has taken place at least yeah. in the last three decades, right? He should face way deeper charges that he's facing right now, way steeper charges. It's actually, in my opinion, Kim Fox should be on the stand, you know, for lessening yeah. the charges that That's are against him. Well, so you wonder, I mean, what's so, inf I guess there is the infuriating part of this is, look, you got caught, you're busted, you did it. It's kind of insulting to the rest of us to pretend you didn't when clearly you did. And moreover, you wonder what percentage of the population will believe that he was framed or whatever. Absolutely nobody believes this. Nobody believes Good. this but Jesse and the people that want him to get off. And his solution is, I told a really big lie, so I'm just going to tell an even bigger lie to try to get away with it, right? I'm going to move from one conspiracy theory to the next. And the last thing I'll say here, Tucker, is just imagine if the races were reversed. Imagine if two white men pretended that two black men had attacked them. What would the media be saying right now? What would be the charges? What would be the demands right now? This is incredibly racist, what he did, right? Incredibly racist, meant to cause, cause racial division in this country. And at the That's end right. of the day, he's going to get a light tap on the wrist if he even gets that. I would never defend any of this. I wish Robin Roberts of ABC, the ever credulous, was on the stand today. See if she's <laughs> changed her mind about this. Candace Owens, bet she hasn't. Great to see you. Thank you so much. Candace Owens, African-American girl, a uh, female, and she would not be offended in any way knowing that I called her a girl or a female. Um... You know what the interesting beginning, the whole basis and the perception of this particular interview, not about the content of what was said. I agree with everything Candace said. But Fox News put her on the air and she's on the air. She's a Fox News contributor. They put her on there with with um, Tucker. Why do you think they used Candace Owens? Because there are plenty of other people, regulars at Fox News they could have had the same conversation with Tucker Carlson. They put her on because she's African-American, as is Jussie Smollett. Smollett, however you want to say it. I'm not even sure I hear it pronounced Smollett or Smollett. Color has to be factored into every decision that's made by any members of a national operation, especially somebody in news. She said stuff that only an African-American person could say and get away with. Regarding race, Jesse Smollett put race in this thing. 
not Candace Owen, not any other African-American, and certainly no white person. It was an attempt on the part of Jesse Smollett to turn something into a racial conf- uh, confrontation, a noose around his neck that they purportedly put around his neck to make him look better and make someone else, somebody else look bad because of the R word. If you disagree with me, and I'm a person of color, then you must be a racist, especially if you're white. This is probably, this whole practice is probably the most egregious thing that has happened in our nation, is the weaponization of that word and everything that goes along with it. It's become an ideological perspective. There are people out there that have successfully built careers and made millions of dollars by purposely perpetrating, putting together, creating, implementing examples of things that happen just like this or similar to this that Smollett pulled off, hiring people to undertake a faux racist attack against him so he could use it to enhance his political career, his entertainment career, whatever he was trying to enhance. There was no fact in this until all of the exposure began to happen and it was discovered it was a sham. This is a really sad example, a really horrible representation of the worst of things that are happening in America the weaponization of false incidents to use against somebody politically. And in doing that, enhance yourself. I wonder, through our American history, how many cries publicly against a person, whoever it is, I don't know, I don't care, how many times were they false and how many times were they true? And that's a hypothetical that neither one of us, none of us can answer truthfully. But you know what happened. You know what happened. I've seen personally again and again and again, somebody finally get frustrated, not want to talk to somebody, doesn't like them, doesn't want to get involved in anything with this person. And so when they're ever confronted or pushed or whatever, their default position is just to scream racism. And you're a racist. If you disagree with me, I'm a person of color. I don't care what your color is. You're a racist. Why? Because you disagree with me. That is a a weapon that was created in Washington, D.C. at some time. I'm not sure when it happened, but it's been out there for a long time. We're going to take a break, but listen when we come back. We're going to get into something that I think will interest every one of you. A little bit about what's going on in the Democrat Party. It ain't good. I can promise you that. We're going to get into some of the details. You want to stick around for that. Right after this. Grab an ice cold can of Celsius and stay active and energized all day. Celsius is better for you energy. Made with premium ingredients. Zero sugar and seven essential vitamins. With no high fructose corn syrup, no aspartame, no preservatives and no artificial colors or flavors. Celsius is just the essential energy you need to keep you fueled and active all day. Celsius, essential energy, live fit. Now find Celsius at Celsius.com or a retailer near you. Those in the know like to stay in the realm of innovation. Join them. 
It's easy to keep up with the latest trends and own the latest tech with BMW Select as it offers you the option to drive a brand new BMW every three years. You also get to tailor your deal to suit your pocket and your lifestyle. Visit select.bmw.co.za for more. BMW Select, dynamic finance for ultimate control. BMW Financial Services is an authorized FSP and registered credit provider. T's and C's apply. Are you sure we should be out here? It's pretty cloudy. Come on, that'll pass. Really? I don't know. Yeah, That's just, just swing. I'm holding swing. a... Swing! <sighs> Bob? Whoa. Looks like someone could have used Yahoo OneSearch on his mobile phone. Try Yahoo OneSearch and get news, sports, even weather. Get better results. Text weather and your zip code to 92466. Be a better golfer. Yahoo! Standard carrier text messaging rates apply. No way. Taco Bell's Toasted Cheddar Chalupa is back. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? They, they toasted six-month-old aged cheddar right onto the shell of a chalupa. That's genius, no delicious, no both. And now it comes in a box with a crunchy taco, cinnamon twist, and a medium drink? Whoa. Oh, sorry, this is, this is my stop. Oh, uh, cool. We're all thinking it. The $5 Toasted Cheddar Chalupa box is back. Only at Taco Bell. At limited participating U.S. locations for a limited time only. Contact local store for prices, hours, and participation, which vary. Tax, extra, drinks, excludes, freezes. Weigh in, ask a question, make a comment, do so free of charge. We pay for that call. Toll free, 1-866-37-TRUTH. In all numbers, that's 1-866-378-7884. You know, folks, looking at the current status of the Democrat Party, I'm a conservative, but I'm not a Republican. I uh, I look at both parties, and i got to be honest with you, I do with... Uh, my eyes kind of half closed because I don't trust a lot of people in either party. I'm a conservative. And on most issues, my thoughts, my perspectives align with Republicans. And it's not because of all of their policies. It's because solely upon the people. In other words, when I go in the voting booth, I'm not going to pull a lever or push a button for any candidate just because of their party affiliation. I'm not going to vote for him. I'm not going to vote against somebody for that reason. I vote for the person, not whatever they put out on the marketplace of ideas, unless they're saying things that don't align with the way I feel. And that's the way everybody should vote. Our forefathers, every one of them, every single one of them were dead set against political parties. Thomas Jefferson said, if it took being a member of a political party to go to heaven, he said, I'm not going to go to heaven because I'm not going to be in, in political parties. So the Democrat Party, to be quite honest with you, since Barack Obama term limited out and Hillary Clinton failed to follow him, the Democrat Party has been pretty much in chaos. And they've tried to get out of their chaos by weaponizing everything they possibly can and using it against their political foes. Case in point, the Robert Mueller and Russia collusion investigation into all things Donald Trump. Things just aren't looking good for the Democrat Party, and they are facing a real problem in the 2022 midterm elections. They're just around the corner next November. 
In fact, I don't ever remember a political party as desperate as is this Democrat party. From Biden policies that just forget about Congress that are being quickly put in place through legislation sometimes, but through executive orders the rest of the time. Think about that. Most of the Biden administration legislation that has been passed, I mean some big money bills, in getting those passed, they had no committee hearings in which normally, under what's called regular order, they get to call witnesses, they get to look at documents, offer amendments to some motions, some bills that are presented to be discussed, and they vote within committees whether or not to even send that proposed legislation to the full House or the full Senate to get considered. They simply rammed bill after bill straight to the floor for voting where they had a majority in the House. I doubt that there are very many in the Democrat Party that expected to see the Biden-Pelosi-Schumer government simply, in many cases, just ignore the will of the American people. They must believe fundamentally that the 2020 election results were a mandate from Americans for their top-down policies just to be swiftly implemented, doesn't matter if it's legally through Congress or if it's through a Biden executive order. The problems that those policies initiated so quickly, the problems, the pushback, caught Democrat leadership by surprise. Their knee-jerk reaction was just to double and triple down, rushing more legislation through the House of Representatives. Additionally, they've used the Biden executive fiat, you know, his pen, to implement as many additional far-left policies as they can. Why not? With even just a slim majority in the House and a virtual tie in the Senate, they have a great opportunity to do just what they're doing. But losing the House and or the Senate in 2022 can stop them if that can even happen. But the reaction from voters on every front that Democrats have created since the inauguration of Joe Biden are creating problems for their party. Democrats have reacted poorly. They're just pushing harder, screaming louder, all while diminishing the pushback from their GOP counterparts. It's as if they're building a Democrat-controlled government without relying on the people even voting. And guess what? Americans have awakened and have taken notice of that. That creates even more roadblocks for Democrats. And a large number of career Democrats subsequently are headed for the exit. I can't tell you, 30-something so far have just said, hey, I'm not running for re-election in 2022. American voters are watching all this happen, and Americans are not happy. When the Washington Post reports that the Democrat Party is facing a superstorm of revolt from voters, that's happening, folks. You know the political landscape looks pretty bleak for Democrats. Virtually every national political analyst, every national pollster, is predicting that Republicans will easily win back the majority control of the House of Representatives in 2022. Several have said the Senate's a sure thing, too. A recent ABC News Washington Post poll showed that if the midterm elections were held today, 
51% of all registered voters would vote Republican in their congressional districts. Just 41% of those said they would support a Democrat. That's the largest lead for Republicans in more than 100 polls taken by ABC and The Post since 1981. Even more troubling for Democrats is how this same survey found that 62% of those polled said the Democrat Party is out of touch with the concerns of American citizens. Mainstream news outlets are offering their constant, we hear them all the time, excuses for the Republican wave. They say it's a historical trend that the party occupying the White House loses congressional seats in each midterm election. News coverage, of course, is pretty much controlled by Democrats. News coverage also blames Democrat troubles on redistricting efforts in several states that would give Republican candidates advantages in 2022. And if the, sh- if the shoe's on the other foot, folks, Republicans claim the same thing about Democrat redistricting. While these factors are true to a degree, middle-of-the-road Democrats, they call themselves centrist, like Joe Manchin of West Virginia, Max Warner of Virginia, Kirsten Sinema of Arizona, a few others, are talking about serious concerns they have about the broader agenda, about the direction and the tone of a Democrat party that has become hijacked by aggressive, outspoken activist members who demand unpopular and sometimes even scary policy changes in the country. You remember when Republican Glenn Youngkin won the governor's race in Virginia race? He did it by campaigning on kitchen table issues like parental involvement in education and an immediate end of the politicization of public school classrooms. Youngkin called for tax reductions. He voiced respect and support for the rule of law and law enforcement. Youngkin's Democrat opponent dug in on education, siding with shrill activists who lashed out at the parents who dared to question education officials. Remember those in Loudoun County? Those parents, when they found out critical race theory was being taught to their public school students, their kids, they went nuts. Certain textbooks, sexual, very sexual textbooks, they went nuts. School board officials went as far as calling in the Department of Justice to intimidate those same parents and to label them as domestic terrorists. Those parents have alleged that FBI agents are infiltrating school board meetings. When that Democrat candidate running against Yunkin, Terry McAuliffe, when he said during a candidate debate that parents have no business telling schools what they should teach, he sealed his own political fate. More voters today across the nation, top to bottom, are waking up and understanding a Democrat political agenda that is no longer focused on voter top priorities like reducing inflation, growing our economy again, strengthening border and national security. In fact, this Democrat party is directly opposite of all those things. Instead, many Democrats are actively promoting race-based education. They're still moving to defund police and to expand Medicaid unnecessarily. 
which has bloated the program to a record 83 million people in America are using Medicaid for their health care. A 12% increase over March of just a year ago. Biden is also focused on pushing policies that discourage work. The administration illegally expanded food stamps by 25% over pre-pandemic levels, even as many choose not to work. Democrats pushed to expand unemployment benefits and bonuses that were ultimately extended on a bunch of different cases. Not working became more lucrative for many in America than going back to work. That's not a supposition, folks. That's according to the Foundation for Government Accountability. In September, a record 4.4 million workers, they just quit work, greatly compounding a national labor shortage of more than 10.4 million workers. You can say what you want, you can argue what you want, but what changed that would cause that one thing to happen? 4.4 million just quit their jobs. Folks, we all know we've got to work to get fed, or we can quit work if and when our government gives us the money or most of the money that we worked for. That's what's happening in the Biden administration. So what are Democrats doing right now in the wake of this negative reaction from voters in Virginia, New Jersey, and other states? National Democrat leaders are not advocating for moderation or compromise, folks. They are, according to my buddy, Louisiana Senator John Kennedy, he said Democrats are doubling down on stupid. (laughs) And while many prominent Democrats try to spin a good line about their chances coming up in the 2022 elections, others, they see the reality of an ugly election cycle ahead. The results of the November elections in Virginia, typically blue New Jersey, are slapping Democrat candidates like a thunderclap. Democrat Representative Jackie Spire of California became the 14th House Democrat to announce she's not going to be running for re-election. And that list, which gets longer every day, also includes House Budget Committee Chairman John Yarmuth of Kentucky and House Democrat Steering Committee co-chairwoman Cherie Bustos of Illinois. And a most senior Democrat, Senator Patrick Leahy of Vermont, who is the longest-serving member of the U.S. Senate, he announced he's had enough. He's leaving. Many members of Congress and also Capitol Hill staffers have said through the years it's not nearly as gratifying to serve in the minority party. If Democrats don't learn from these early election results, vote. if they don't adopt more social and physically responsible policies, they might relegate themselves to permanent minority party status in government. Now, I'm not certain who first used this line. You've heard me use it here several times. And it certainly describes what we're watching from the Democrat Party. Symbolism over substance, symbolism over substance. Then candidate Joe Biden made a massive list of promises in exchange for votes. I know every candidate does that same thing, folks. I get it. The previous inhabitant of the White House, 
certainly promise many things too. But promising is where any similarity between Trump and Biden ends. Donald Trump accomplished more of his campaign promises to Americans than has any other president in my lifetime. Biden? Well, he did fulfill several of his promises that he made when he was campaigning, like the cancellation of the XL pipeline permit, stopping exploration and gas and oil production on federal lands. He promised to spend a bunch of money on giveaways. Although none were described to be giveaways, those he, he's received permission from the Democrat-controlled Congress turned into pork and more pork and more and more pork. He promised he would bring Americans back together. Remember that? That he would unite the nation again. He would kill COVID-19 and would be the president of all Americans, not just Democrats. We're not even a year into his term in office, folks, and he has failed miserably. Could go on and on about it, but doing so would only be a waste of time. The purpose of sharing all this with you today is singular, to demonstrate exactly how far in the tank is this Democrat Party. Less than a year, it's obvious who they are and what their plans are under Joe Biden. And here's the thing that's popping up lately. Everybody's seeing it. Their desperation. It's as if the world would burn if they don't get anything and everything for which they ask but demand from Americans. Their promises are hollow. They're empty. Their accomplishments are massive in spending and replete with promise after promise after promise that can in no way be fulfilled, even if their intentions really were to do that. My conclusion, their desperation is driving this legislative and executive action tyranny. Why are they so desperate? Many Democrats in government have seen the handwriting on the wall. They're doomed to lose the control they have seized. And it almost certainly will happen in the 2022 midterms next November. The saddest part of this all they're diminishing their oaths of office, the concerns and support from those who elected them, and have abandoned facts, honesty, and commitments. For what? Lust for permanent control of not just Congress, but the entirety of the federal government. Prove that long. Just prove it. Prove it wrong. I'll apologize. Until then, I suggest we all begin looking at ways to minimize the Democrat Party damages that are already resulting from their actions in this very, very young administration. And by the way, don't think things are going to get better for this president or get better for us under this president. In fact, the opposite is very, very likely. Let's just do everything we can to soften the impacts of all the unlawful executive actions by Mr. Biden and massive spending that dwarfs any ever seen by any government. It will not be easy between here and 2024. It's not going to be. Our economy is going to continue to spiral. Inflation. Folks, I, I prophesied this 
I predicted this, whatever term you want to call it. And every day it looks like it's going to be more and more likely to be true. Inflation is going to drive us, drive our economy into the economic tank. This economy that had stealthily and quietly been going forward completely, not as much during the Obama-Biden administration, but it did get better. And inflation got better. Only to see when Joe Biden takes office and he begins to roll out his policies, his executive actions, and then this Congress controlled by Democrats begin to spin, 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 spin. It's only going to worsen. How far in the tank are they going to go? I don't know. Let's pray that our leaders in Congress who have awakened to these horrors, many have. Sadly, a bunch of Democrats that have seen the handwriting on the wall, they're not going to stay and help. They know better than we that Democrat Party leadership in Congress will not let any type of conservative mitigating concept to invade their top-down, egregious, government-down, we-control-everything policies. Let's pray that somehow we'll figure out ways to mitigate the damage, maybe stop some pending before it's too late. And last of all, and it shouldn't be last of all, folks, it should be first. What do we need to do? We need to pray. Regardless of what we're told, regardless of what school teachers are telling our kids, this country, this nation was founded on the belief in God and the fact that government was never given authority or power to give us or to not give us anything. This government was explicitly founded and it's detailed in great detail in the first 10 amendments called the Bill of Rights in the U.S. Constitution. The people, we the people, are the bosses. The Declaration of Independence makes it very clear. The government didn't endow us with any right or privilege. We were endowed, we were given that as people, as humans, and as Americans, we were given equality. We were endowed with that by our Creator, not Democrats. Genuine Ford Parts and Service presents a word from your wallet. Oh, oh, are we at the gas station? Oh. Yeah, I know. I'm feeling these gas prices too. I'm the wallet down here. Head to a Ford dealership. Why? Proper vehicle maintenance. A new air filter can save 19 cents a gallon. Correct tire inflation up to 6 cents a gallon. Wow, that sure adds up. My fat wallets are very in right now. Right now, Motorcraft air filter replacement is just $19.95 or less. Replacing a dirty air filter can increase fuel economy by as much as 10%. Well, done. That was easy. Maybe you should listen to your wallet more often. Well, you're typically pretty quiet. Well, I didn't want to be a pain in the... Uh, 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 uh. Hurry in for the best deals we've had in years. Money-saving rebates on brakes, batteries, tires, and more. See your participating Ford dealer today. You love chocolate. Mmm, chocolate. You love M&M's. Oh, yes. But your tastes have grown up, and you're just not wild about super sweet milk chocolate, so you've been avoiding M&M's. Yeah. 
Well, fear no more. Huh? M&M's dark chocolate to the rescue. My heroes. M&M's dark chocolate candies. Available wherever fine candies are sold. Dear Daddy. Dear Mom. I love you. I miss you. Every year, Snowball Express honors the children of fallen soldiers. Hi, everybody. I'm Tony Orlando. Join me in proudly supporting Snowball Express, a nonprofit that creates opportunities to help heal the children of our fallen heroes. We can never repay the sacrifice our soldiers have made, but we can honor them by giving back to their children. Donate now at snowballexpress.org. As much a part of your day as pants. Dan Newman, TNN, the Truth News Network. Once again, I want to thank those of you that um, you agree with what you heard Pete Moss say there. I don't know about as much of part of you as your pants, but there are a lot of you that listen in every day that you read what we publish here, and I want to say thank you. We appreciate it. And as always, I want to remind you, this is your website, truthnewsnet.org. This is your show, TNN Live. Uh, we get a lot of input, a lot of suggestions, and we don't ever reject any of them. We look at them all objectively, and we always respond, reply to people uh, when they give us suggestions, and we discuss things. We may not agree at the end of it all, but folks, it's a good thing for us to communicate with each other and to listen to what other people are saying and let them listen to us but not try to force them to listen to us. You know what I'm saying. Let me hear from you anytime. Dan at truthnewsnet.org. Dan at truthnewsnet.org. Well, there's something really big happening this morning. I'm not even sure what time it is. But President Biden is scheduled to have a conversation with Vladimir Putin, and they're going to do it on a video conference call. There'll be other people in the room. That's a good thing because I'm pretty sure if it came straight from Joe Biden, details of that conversation, we would never know the facts. Hopefully there'll be somebody in the room that will give the American people facts about what both guys in this conversation are going to say to we other, uh, the other and what particular things are going to be discussed. This morning, very early, CNBC had an expert come on. Mills is his name, Ed Mills, on what we should expect from this conference call, video call, between Russian President Vladimir Putin and our president, Joseph Biden. You know, President Biden's expressed a desire to have, quote, I'm reading this as a quote, predictable, a predictable and rational relationship with Russia and, and uh, Vladimir Putin. Markets, they don't seem too concerned this morning. They're up in the green what do you see as the best case and potential worst case of this call? So I think the best case is that Biden and Putin establish a rapport that allows that the diplomatic conversations are a release valve. Uh, worst case is that Putin um, really starts to press the Biden administration, really tries to see what he can do to further um, exacerbate issues within the NATO alliance and say that he is going to push forward with military exercises in a potential invasion uh, with the Ukraine. I think at the core here is um, a desire from Putin to establish uh, Russian supremacy within the region. He is very concerned about the Ukraine potentially joining NATO. 
And I think he is really trying to see what he can do uh, to get the United States to respond with a audience of China um, watching here and China looking to see whether or not the NATO alliance is holding firm and whether the United States continues to back up their support uh, for various uh, NATO allies. Right. Let me ask you this question. You heard what he said he hoped would come out of this conference between uh, Vladimir Putin and Joe Biden today. I think every American agrees with him. We hope those things happen. But at the end of that, you heard him talk about what Vladimir Putin is going to be saying, how he's going to respond to people. And it's based upon not just what's bet for Russia, but you don't think Vlad's going to have a conversation shortly after this with Xi Jinping and China. Those two countries are tag teaming. Who would they tag team against? Who's the obvious country on earth that they would tag team against? Us, the United States of America, they pretty much feel they've got Europe taken care of and they control most of Asia's, China does, so they got it all going on. They're trying to find ways to dominate the world stage. And believe me, folks, Vladimir Putin and Xi Jinping both, they believe they've got an edge on Joe Biden. And you know what? I agree with them. I believe they do. Although we still don't have the confirmation of all of the evidence that has been leaked out, its factual uh, status regarding ties, if not illegal, illegitimate, unadvisable ties between the Biden family, what we call the Biden syndicate here, the Biden family syndicate, financial ties to Russia, Ukraine, and China. And there are some really egregious things that we know happened in that regard, regarding Hunter Biden with his father, then Vice President Biden, covering for him, and more than a billion dollars from a Chinese government, Communist Party government-controlled corporation, to Hunter Biden to invest on their behalf. Hunter Biden, who had no previous history of doing anything in the investment industry. He was an attorney, is an attorney. I I think he's still an attorney. And then, of course, the direct contributions that came to uh, Hunter Biden, the leaked uh, emails from the laptop from hell, and the pictures and stuff that all implicate the President of the United States. You don't think for a moment that Vladimir Putin or Xi Jinping would use that as leverage to get something over on the United States of America? And to make it even worse, we'll just go a little west from there to Iran. What do you think was quid pro quo in the original Iran nuclear deal with the United States? You remember when we paid all that money? We may never know how much money it was, but we're pretty sure it was well over $100 billion to Iran just to get them to agree to stop their nuclear proliferation, which they didn't stop after the fact. What was that all about? What was the quid pro quo, the Iranians to the Biden administration? Folks, there are so many unanswered questions there and not conspiratorial questions, folks, factual questions. I, and I'm sure you do too, we would like to get some factual answers to that and a lot of other things. 
We'll keep digging. By the way, we're 20 minutes away from the end of this show. We've not even brought up COVID-19, vaccinations, vax bans, none of that, but there's a lot of it out there. Did you hear this overnight? Italy is rolling out what they're calling a super green pass today. A super green pass. What's it all about? Unvaxxed individuals are now barred from eating indoors at restaurants across Italy. You can't go to sporting events, to concerts, theaters, any other public event, regardless of whether or not they have tested negative for the virus. This new lockdown egregious thing is part of the implementation of what they're calling the super green pass, which is further going to delineate between vaccinated and unvaccinated people in Italy. Those who have recently recovered from the virus will also be able to get the new pass. Mandatory vax is also being expanded there. With school staffs, police, and those working in the military now forced to take the jab or lose their job from next week. Healthcare workers in the country are already subject to the requirement. Restrictions being rolled out to public transport, passengers needing to show a basic green pass, proving that they're vaxxed against COVID, have recovered from the disease, or have a negative test within 72 hours. You got to do all that just to get on. And if you know anything about Italy and that part of Europe, in fact, all of Europe, rail, fast, rapid transportation and buses are the number one way of transportation. I rode a bullet train from Zurich to Milan, Italy. Great experience in my life. And I can tell you this, we need bullet trains in the United States. My brother, as recently as day before yesterday, brought it up in conversation. You know what we need to do, he said? We need to find a way to get a bullet train between Dallas and Shreveport going east from there to Atlanta, and we need another to go north and south up and down the 49, Interstate 49 corridor, which would begin in Kansas City down through uh, eastern Oklahoma, northwest Arkansas, northwest Louisiana, right down the middle of Louisiana to Baton Rouge and New Orleans. What a great idea. Instead of driving, which I do, I'm from South Louisiana, I do a lot of north-south driving, I would much rather get on a bullet train and let somebody else drive. (laughs) That has nothing to do with COVID-19. Did you hear what's happening in the state of Illinois? This is a state government issue. One Illinois Democrat who claims that unvaxxed are clogging up the health care system has submitted a bill that would force these unvaxxed people to pay all of their medical expenses out of pocket if they become hospitalized with COVID. State Representative Jonathan Carroll came alongside news that the average coronavirus hospitalization cost is now $24,000. That's according to data from the CDC and also from CMS, the Centers for Medicaid and Medicare Services. The vaccine has proven to be the one thing that is stopping the severity of COVID-19, and we are seeing more variants popping up, Carol said. Now, he's not factual when he said that vaccines 
have proven to be the one thing that is stopping the severity of COVID-19. There are numerous other ones out there. Mainstream media is not allowed to talk about them. I'm not even going to get into those. He said, the experts are telling us this is now becoming a disease of the unvaccinated. Experts like Joe Biden. It is not a disease of the unvaccinated. In fact, science, you know that thing they tell us to watch and listen to? Science has proven that people who are fully vaccinated are just as possible to transmit COVID as are people that have not been vaccinated. The people that are choosing to get vaxxed are not the ones that are clogging up the healthcare system, he said. It's the ones that aren't. That's a conundrum. I don't even understand that. I'm not vaxxed. I'm not clogging up the healthcare system. Nobody in my house is vaxxed. We're not clogging up the healthcare system. I know dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of people who are not vaccinated that haven't been in the hospital either. His proposed bill states that a person who is eligible to receive a COVID-19 vax and chooses not to shall pay for healthcare expenses out of pocket if the person becomes hospitalized because of COVID symptoms. If passed into law, the changes wouldn't impact Illinois residents until 2023. Now, you remember back when this all began, when the COVID god, Anthony Fauci, took the helm and started telling us everything pro and con about COVID-19? He said, if we got our ducks in a row, we wouldn't have COVID in January of 2023. And as usual, in most cases, Fauci was wrong. So in the midst of all of this craziness and chaos, the Biden administration has been hit with a string of legal, not cases, but losses over his COVID-19 vaccine mandates. A number of federal judges across the nation have halted the implementation of the rules claiming overreach by the executive branch, as the DOJ plans to vigorously defend the mandates in court. Despite these court battles, one White House official said the administration is confident in its authority to promote vaccine requirements. They don't ever give us any place in the Constitution that makes or proves it's okay to do that. Nowhere in the Constitution does it give OSHA any rights or any authority to do anything. We know vaccination requirements work. That comes from a White House official, the federal government, the country's largest employer, has successfully implemented its requirement in a way that has boosted vaccination and avoids any disruptions to operations. That is total BS, totally false. They haven't successfully implemented it in any way. Joe Biden's vaccine mandate. Federal court stopped it. The official said the Biden administration's implementation sends the clear message to businesses, including federal contractors, that similar measures will protect their workforce, protect their customers, and protect our communities. That's what they say. There's no proof of any of that. None of it. In fact, in many cases, it's opposite that. Don't get me started. Don't get me started. We'll spend the rest of the hour 
talking about that, and I don't want to do it. Let's move on. British drug maker GlaxoSmithKline. You've heard the name, but we haven't heard much of that name in discussions about anything regarding COVID-19. They announced yesterday early-stage lab data shows its COVID-19 monoclonal antibody treatment jointly developed with U.S. partner Ver Biotechnology, VIR Biotechnology, is effective against all mutations of the new Omicron strain. Interesting. Glaxo said in a statement this morning, in the wee hours of our morning, that new preclinical findings generated from in vitro testing of the drug show that the treatment is effective against all 37 identified mutations to date in Omicron spike protein. These preclinical data demonstrate the potential for our monoclonal antibody to be effective against the latest variant. Omicron plus all the other variants of concern defined to date by the WHO. That's a pretty big claim in my book. It hadn't been peer-reviewed yet. It builds on earlier clinical findings released last week, which showed that drug, Sotrovimab, how would they pronounce that? Sotrofimab was effective against key Omicron mutations. Sototrovimab is the first monoclonal... I can't believe they name these medicines like this. We need to be able to pronounce them. Sotrofimab. Sotrofimab. S-O-T-R-O-V-I-M-A-B. Sotrofimab is the first monoclonal antibody to report preclinical data demonstrating activity against all tested SARS-CoV variants and interest to date, including Omicron, as well as the still prevalent and highly contagious Delta variant. COVID is the name for the CCP virus. Don't ever forget that. That's kind of an interesting thing to be thrown out there. There's something else brewing. It is pretty staggering. Very few people talk about it. The first report of its kind that is named the United States Strategy on Countering Corruption. If they do one thing very well, it's create long names for everything, the federal government. Um, this process, the United States Strategy on Countering Corruption, they say it's geared towards exploring ways and means that government officials abuse public power for private gain. Do you do you know where I'm going with this? I bet you do. Though the White House's report specifically focused on the art industry of all places as a market where financial crimes occur, didn't think to mention the Biden family's involvement with corruption like, you know, Hunter's art selling scheme to investors while his daddy is president. Hunter has reportedly sold multiple pieces of art for at least $75,000 on the low side this fall to anonymous buyers. And the New York Times reported First Lady Jill Biden has allegedly displayed Hunter's artwork in the White House. And of course, Daddy Joe 
they have defended Hunter's scheme as consistent with, quote, the highest ethical standards. Let me just tell you how stupid that is. If they were practicing the highest ethical standards on anything, yet alone this thing, what they would do, Hunter wouldn't have done this. It is obviously a ploy to draw on the fact the one thing that matters is not that Hunter is not even a basic or moderately effective or good artist, has never done any art stuff before. The fact that somebody would pay the low price of $75,000 for one piece of art proves this is quid pro Joe quo doing his deal again. Here's what the White House said. The markets for art and antiquities and the market participants who facilitate transactions are especially vulnerable to a range of financial crimes. Built-in opacity, lack of stable and predictable pricing, and inherent cross-border transportability of goods sold make the market optimal for illicit value transfer, sanctions, evasions, and corruption. It's so stupid that the White House would even do this in the middle of this controversy that surrounds Hunter Biden and what he's doing. There's no doubt about it. The art industry's corruption is vast. Art can be hidden or smuggled. Transactions most of the time are private. Prices can be subjective. Prices can be manipulated as well as extremely expensive. Once purchased, the art can disappear from view for years, which it even does, sometimes even decades. A lot of the art bought at auctions goes to free ports, ultra-secure warehouses for the collections of millionaires and billionaires ranging from Picassos and gold to vintage Ferraris and fine wine. The free ports, which exist in Switzerland, Luxembourg, and Singapore, and the ones in Switzerland I've been to, offer a variety of tax advantages because the goods stored in them are technically, quote, in transit, end quote. The Economist magazine reported the Freeport near the Geneva airport alone is thought to hold $100 billion of art. Once inside the Freeport, the art can be sold privately and anonymously to other buyers. The art need never leave the warehouse after the private sale is completed. When you want to find evil ways to do evil things, pretty much you can do it. And we're going to end right here. Have you followed this Alec Baldwin thing? His movie set, Rust, one of the people that worked for him on the set was shot with a so-called fake gun that they use in movies was loaded with a real live piece of ammunition. So Baldwin has, I mean, he has consistently gone crazy in the public purview, denying he pulled the trigger. He didn't know anything about it. It was a horrible thing. He cried on ABC Morning this past sunny Sunday uh, television show with George Stephanopoulos. And now, it was reported yesterday, Alex 
deleted his Twitter account after the DA said he could still face criminal charges over the shooting of that cinematographer, Helena Hutchins. Though Baldwin has two official Twitter accounts, the main account he used to communicate quietly, mysteriously, it went offline over the weekend, while the other at Baldwin has remained inactive since October of this year, before which it remained inactive since June. Baldwin famously issued his first statements from the Twitter account right after the tragic shooting. Here's what he said. There are no words to convey my shock and sadness regarding the tragic accident that took the life of Helena Hutchins, a wife, a mother, and deeply admired colleague of ours. He tweeted that. I'm fully cooperating with the police investigation to address how this tragedy occurred. I'm in touch with her husband, offering my support to him and his family. My heart is broken for her husband, their son, and all who knew and loved her. So before he deleted this account, he set his Twitter to private early in November, limiting the view of his tweets to permitted followers. During his sit-down interview with Stephanopoulos, Baldwin said he doesn't believe criminal charges will be brought against him. He said, I've spoken to the Sheriff's Department multiple times. I don't have anything to hide. If you don't have anything to hide, why continue to try to hide stuff? That's a wrap on TNN Live for Tuesday. Thank you for being here today. Back in the saddle with you first thing tomorrow morning. Got a special story going live at truthnewsnet.org in the morning from Kelly Nelson. You don't want to miss this one either. Have a great day, folks. Enjoy it. Stay close to the ones you love and tell them daily how much you love them. We'll see you tomorrow at TNN Live.
gonna sing